0: Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. It's the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James and this is Fulhamish Extra. Who gives you extra? Who? Who Fulhamish do? It wasn't slick, but you know what will uh, will work. Nothing <laughs> Jack does is really. Yeah. We've got all many- sick though. We've got many weeks to work on that. Welcome. This is our preview podcast for the Middlesbrough game that is upcoming on Saturday, and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk. Hello. And Don Bet. Hello, hello. Well, um, lots to come up in this podcast. As I said, we'll be previewing that trip to the northeast, a difficult game as championship action gets back underway. We're going to be talking about who of our squad could cut it in the Premier League. We're also going to be chatting to a Middlesbrough fan. I forgot to mention that. And we're going to be having a stats chat with Mike Gregg at the end of the show. So uh, just to say before we start this week's podcast, that Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Right now, you can bet £5, get £20. You can do that by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So, long journey up to Teesside to face a borough side that have underperformed massively this season. They were expected to be challenging for the automatic spots. Uh, We said that on our championship preview show, uh, but they sit in eighth position, uh, just two places and points above us. Um, Dom, though, with Tony Pulis now in charge after the sacking of Gary Monk, this is... A really, really difficult test for Fulham on Saturday.
1: Well yeah, considering I mean, our way record hasn't been as good as it was last season and we I wouldn't say we're starved for goals, but we're not as sort of free scoring as we were last season. You know what you're gonna get with a Tony Pulis side. Boring, boring,
0: boring, but good defensively. It's um, quite a bizarre appointment though. Borough I always think of being known for having a good footballing identity. I yeah.
1: think the owners just thought we need to we can't be in a championship for long we need to be getting up and if if he doesn't get him up this season he'll definitely get him up next season he knows how to get out of this league i know he's only done it Oh well, yeah you two. say that but he's done it with stoke and who else i know but i, th- I think i think it, who else would they have appointed
0: karanka <laughs> Is that <Isaac> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs>
1: but yeah i, th- I don't I f- for like i think the only sort we need to just get a manager who can get the job done And then once they get to the premier league and he's keeping them up and they've become a stable Premier League club again they can fuck him off
0: um three wins in four for Pulis since joining in all competitions uh, that was including a fairly drab 2-0 win over Sunderland on Saturday which papered over the cracks I think a little bit as far as Middlesbrough fans were concerned I'm sure we'll hear that from the uh, fan that we speak to in a little bit it was a very much a second string Sunderland side but Jack the result that they got Preston North End in the last league game 3-2 win was very very impressive
3: yeah, I mean, it's a very good character to come from, to come from behind at at, at Preston, especially on the on the kind of run of form they're having under Alex Neil, and obviously that's uh, something that needs to be commended, I suppose. the The thing is, they've scored two goals from corners, and, and you know, and and then Johnny Howison scored an absolute, you know, worldy, but it's just absolutely typical that Pulis has come in, and then suddenly were a massive threat from set pieces. And now they have Fulham who can't defend set-pieces to save their life. Uh, And I think that we're going to struggle at the weekend. You know, Tony Pulis coming in as manager must be like what Rudy Gestead was hoping for for Christmas. And and suddenly he's in there with a bloke who trusts the long ball into the big striker. uh, And he's back back at it. And, you know, him and Asom Belonga in there. Obviously, they have a, a plethora of talent up front, and something we we lamented at the start of the season. You know, the likes of Martin Braithwaite and uh, and all of those kind of players who are who are obviously excellent excellent footballers, as well as you know the big lump of Gested and uh, and that kind of thing. But you you know you do now feel for Braithwaite, well, I do at least that you must think, well, how's he going to fit in a, a small nippy striker in a Poulos system? Is that isn't isn't necessarily the first thing you think of, but. They've got such good players there, and they needed someone to to get them back on track. I, I feel a bit sorry for uh, for Gary Monk. Um, obviously, he was he was not quite performing to the level they expected, but he got sacked after a really good win over Sheffield Wednesday, where they played exceptionally well. Um, and I think that it is slightly harsh that he got he got sacked after that. But yeah, Pulis delivers results, and I I mean I wouldn't. I wouldn't like it at Fulham, and I'd rather we toiled away, you know, at this kind of level than put someone like Pulis in charge. But you know, it, it's just one of those things that they're gonna they're gonna be now tough, they're gonna be hard, and they're gonna be you know a threat from set pieces, which are three things that we don't necessarily deal that well with, and I think we're going to struggle on on Saturday.
0: Farrell, who do you think's underachieved more this season, Middlesbrough or Fulham? Now you would have said Middlesbrough. Potentially were title contenders when you looked back at the beginning of the season with the squad they had, the amount of money they spent on uh, mostly a Longa, but also players like Braithwaite as well. But also Fulham were fully expected to be in and amongst the playoff race at an absolute minimum uh, and are in 10th. But I know we've had a good run of form recently that's got us back up. But I feel like they're the two main underachieving sides this season in the division.
4: Well, ask me a few weeks ago, I probably it would have been a bit more of a tougher decision. Um, but you've got to look at Borough because Borough have come down from the Premier League. They've kept a lot, you know, quite a few of their their good players. But, you know, they've strengthened really well and splashed the cash. Um, but they got you know they got a new manager in in Gary Monk and it hasn't it didn't quite click for him and I you know I've you've got to say Middlesbrough because when you, you're asking me now and Fulham are in the playoff race and you know I I did say that Fulham had never really left the playoff race and they're firmly in it and Fulham are actually playing well whereas Borough they're not really kicking on now you know they might have a a last minute dash and get in there and being amongst it uh, because it is quite tight in the championship. Um, but, you know, I would say that Borough have kind of underachieved. I mean, if you go back to the, the game earlier on this season, Fulham were kind of the better team. Even Definitely back better team. Yeah, and Borough
0: shithoused their way to an equaliser, really. Well, it was more, I feel like, Fulham shithoused their way to letting them concede an equaliser. It was terrible defending. But if you remember back to that game, Dom, I remember saying on the podcast afterwards, I thought Fulham played it perfectly we outpassed borough throughout the game we toiled away and we broke them down slowly but surely and we got ourselves an 80th minute goal kamara had got his first for the club and and we all thought that it was with the perfect game but classic fulham at the beginning of this season we just shot ourselves straight in the foot
1: yeah so i think yeah they got it from a corner wasn't it cyrus christie scored the winner mm. and it, the ball came out and then I think who was it, Doyle or Sesson One of the I think one of the fullbacks just completely
0: just decided not I to. I def- think it might have been Fredericks, you know. Uh, and I seem to remember Callas and Ream both jumping yeah. for the same header. It was just no, lack of communication. Lack of communication,
1: and it was just just it was just like oh, brilliant, we've done this because we did it two home games in a
0: row. Yeah, Cardiff yeah. and Norwich as yeah. well. We also and it was just, just like oh, guys. not
1: again. But I think that game was sort of proved that both these teams weren't going to be. Challenging towards the end of the season because both teams were relatively poor in the game. I don't think either team showed credentials that they either team was could go up. I mean, both teams probably still we, we are both aiming for the playoffs now, maybe even top two. But yeah, I think I think the game is going to be a lot harder than that game was on Saturday because they are playing under a totally different style of play under the rigid defensiveness of a Tony Pulis side. But you never know; we might be able to we penetrate that. We haven't got the greatest record at the Riverside as far as I'm aware. I don't think I've seen this win there. But you know it's only our third trip to the northeast in the last month so that should be fun.
0: <laughs> we came very very close to winning uh about 10 years ago. I think McBride mm. Bride, Bride scored.
4: scored a great a great great finish. And it was a
0: really controversial penalty.
4: Yeah, and it was quite late
3: on as well that wasn't it? The 90th minute and yeah. it was
0: it was I think it was supposed to be a free kick outside of the box.
3: Didn't we win there when Oh, I could be completely wrong here. No, you're you not going to Collins say when Jones Collins Jones scored, scored the absolute worldie. With no, the,
4: I don't understand why that goal isn't touted as one of the greatest goals in Premier League history. It's an absolute joke of a goal. But I think it might. We lost. three we lost. We yeah. lost
0: three two. Yeah, because it was a Super Sunday. I just remember watching it at home. But we we took the lead, and I remember I think we I think maybe Legwinsky scored again. Anyway, I know we ended up on the wrong side of a three two defeat. So yeah, I can't remember a Middlesbrough win since the turn of millennium. Which no. is at Middlesbrough. Although we didn't play,
3: I suppose we haven't played them that much.
1: We've played them probably 15
3: times since We've played them a lot in the Premier League. Since 15
0: times at the, at the well, no, it's at least Maybe not, maybe at least 10, but. Yeah, at least 10, I think since the millennium. I mean, um, Jack can go do some yeah. research what, what now. Do they, some Googling. What year did they go down? They went down the year, I think, that we got to the Europa League final. So 2010. Or two, no, the year before, 2009. They went down.
1: So that's that's nine times, basically, or eight times. Yeah, uh, and I've seen I've seen us play there twice in the championship. Ten, there we go. Ten, ten
3: ti- times. In order, it goes draw, loss, draw, loss, 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 <laughs> loss. This loss, is when we were bad at away draw, games. Draw, loss loss the last time we won at borough was the 24th of march 1984 oh yeah i remember that one was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <back laughs> barrel was about 12 at the
0: time <laughs> um well let's have a look at a couple of their key men now you mentioned braithwaite and i briefly mentioned a they've been their pretty much only goal scoring threats this season uh, 12 for a somber this season only one in the past eight for him though but we know firsthand that he can be deadly on his day if he wants to
3: yeah, I mean, to, to quote a popular song at Teesside, I think the words go, Stevie Gibson went down south to spend a bit of Wonga, brought us back a goal machine named Britta somba oh, I thought it was Braithwaite. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, I think that pretty much sums it up. Obviously, he scores goals in this division, and that's why they went and spent £9 million on him. He's at a risk of turning into another McCormack, though, isn't he? He yeah.
4: keeps He keeps just going in between... Or Jordan Rhodes, yeah, a championship gun for hire. As but at least point. Jordan
0: Rhodes got a team promoted, unlike Ross McCormack and Brissa Sombolonga. I mean, I wouldn't say... Jordan um... Rhodes didn't get them promoted, but he did score the very crucial goal at Bolton that took them to the Premier League.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's it. It's, 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 he's a championship gun for hire, and he's very, very good at what he does. Scores lots of goals. He's not like McCormack where he needs the team to be built around him. Asombalonga scores goals at wherever he is, oh, and yeah, wherever yeah. he's gone. And I wasn't
4: saying they're exactly the same. No no, 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 no,
3: but you're right. As yeah. in, you're completely right in terms of the kind of level he's at. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's a threat. If we were playing against yes, Ross McCormack, I'd be extremely worried. I mean, not maybe not now, but three years ago. <laughs> like, what are we doing in Australia? Yeah, three years ago, I'd have been extremely worried. So I think, that obviously, he's, he carries a threat and we need to be wary of him.
0: Um, let's have a look at the Fulham team and who Slav might pick. Obviously, it's an impossible task trying to predict what Slavisa will do on a match day. Uh, but what would you go with? Would you go back to pretty much what we played against Ipswich?
4: Yeah, 100%. Um, hopefully, if all the players are fit. And it looks like we are getting to a full complement bar, Aite. Um, and, you know, you can't see past a regular lineup. up
0: Sessant left-back?
4: I think I personally think he might stick a doy again at left back and play Sess left mid. I'd like that. I, I mean I'd I think do. that's what everyone would would like to do. Um because I can't see him playing like Ojo
3: and Cabano. The Sess at left back thing works a bit at home because Seth's just sort of gallivants forward when we've got all mm. of our pressure. But against a team like Middlesbrough are obviously going to be quite useful and also quite good in the air I'd rather have doy's height and ability in the air at the back stick mm. um, than Sessignon there although I didn't see Doy win a single
4: header at the weekend uh, against Southampton uh, purely because
3: probably against it was Shane Long most of the time yeah I suppose but it's, you know but most of the time he's got Adoy's... definitely the
4: Chris Bairds about him most he's got of one time, hell of a
3: leap yeah most of the time doy wins headers so I think that it's probably better we have doy there than Sessignon. Oh, but aside yeah. from that I'd probably go as you were
0: Yeah. Um, Does Kamara deserve a start? Well, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I hate to say it, but yeah. yeah. I, mean,
4: I think the line is going to be better... You're bet- st- sticking with Norwood then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah. no, I think, no, I think it's just going to be Bettinelli, Fredericks, Callas, Rima Doi, McDonald, Johansson, Kearney, Ojo, Kamara, Sessignon.
0: Yeah, I think that was what we would all kind of like and expect especially after the Ipswich game but it's which means it, which means it's always it's definitely, definitely not gonna be
4: there yeah we so, doi back at centre back because yeah. Ibrahim uh, Assisi
3: is gonna come in from the cold at left wing George, George <laughs> Williams partner is gonna have uh, give, been given George Williams' child is going to play at right wing
0: <laughs> Tim Abraham's up front is what I've heard yeah exactly well um let's hear from a Middlesbrough fan now and get their opinion on Saturday's game okay I'm joined right now by James from the borough podcast James how you doing
2: I'm not too bad yeah, thank you, Sammy. How are you?
0: Yes, all good, thank you. Saturday's game, league action gets underway at the Riverside. First of all, I've got to ask, what were your first thoughts on Tony Pulis being appointed as manager?
2: Relatively welcomed, really. It was a bit, it was a bit of a shock, sort of this quick turnaround with it. You know, he usually sort of like to make considered approaches when when hiring new managers. Um, but it sort of seemed that he was almost pretty much lined up before before Monk had gone. Um, but. So what? With what Tony Pears is known for, you know, his sort of man management, his ability to organise a team and to make it sort of well-rounded, but it was all sort of welcome welcome fixes to, to all the problems
0: we have had under Gary Monk. What, what was your opinion of Gary Monk? I mean, from the outside, he seems a very good manager, really. He seems very motivational. He can organise a team. He achieved good things with Swansea and also uh, was fairly prolific at Leeds, despite their last-minute collapse at the end of last season. I think everyone thought it was a great appointment. It's a real shock to me and to many others that it didn't work out. That's
2: kind of what we all thought when, uh, when, when Monk was announced. You know, we thought a nice, young, fresh... English managers to be sort of brought into the squad that help, that would help sort of turn it around after what was a, a dreadful season last season. All in all, but I think there there is seems to be a bit of a misconception about Monk as well. Sort of with the what we saw sort of over the half season that he had us is there wasn't really any organisation of the team at all. Some of the games that we did get through and managed to sort of turning good performances it was more down to individuals, and some of the sort of losses against sort teams like. Uh, Bristol City and Leeds stand out, and, and Harvey as well uh, stood out as just being sort of a little sort of tactical inexperience, really, and a bit of naivety against these sort of well-organized sides. Um, and he didn't—he didn't really endear himself to the fans either. It was very much sort of stock phrases and all the press conferences and all the reviews he did, uh, interviews he did. Sorry, um, that, that just didn't really win over win over fans uh, that much. Um, So, yeah, it wasn't really that much of a surprise when he left either, No, which I suppose, but,
0: yeah. I guess, though, just after a great victory at Sheffield Wednesday to be managerless 24 hours later seemed a bit of a strange time to do it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, both of of them Wednesday were, weren't we? uh, Yeah, that's uh, got to be a first. Uh, yeah, I think I saw think it was 2001, I think it was one of the Newcastle managers, maybe Brian Laws and somebody else that
0: had gone. Okay, wow, maybe that's interesting. maybe sort of 15,
2: 16 years ago since that's happened.
0: That's a brilliant statistic. Right, um, up front you've obviously got a wealth of riches, and uh, I think you're the envy of all of the league maybe barring Wolves with your attacking riches. Obviously a Longa is a great talent, you signed him from Nottingham Forest in the summer. But also Martin Braithwaite's a brilliant striker as is Rudy Gustead who do you think though Pulis is going to be going for on Saturday it's
2: been a bit of a sort of lottery with, with team selection recently he seems to be trying out all, all of his squad and giving them all of a champ uh, Britta uh, Br- some longer started his first few games but as Gustead turned in sort of one of his best performances in a Borussia really uh, and linked with the Pulis sort of target man type hoofball uh, albatross that hung around his neck it could be Gustead as well it's very interesting to see uh, I hope it will be Britt though, because Britt's, Britt's been fantastic since he's played. You know, he's got 11 goals already this season, which is about as much as our top scorer scored this season. We went up, so it's nice to see an out-and-out striker like that that plays with a bit of swagger and a bit of bit of guile and. Uh, can really sort of bully defenders
0: when he's, when he's having a good day. Well, he, he scored a hat trick against us uh, a few seasons ago, so Fulham fans <laughs> know all about the dangers of a sombre longer. Has your playing style changed in the few games under Tony Pulis? Obviously, it's not too many games to really identify or for Pulis to have implemented too much, but he's known for playing the long ball. But Middlesbrough's. Historically, quite famous for playing a good brand of passing football. I think that started under McLaren and then kind of carried on under the Gibbs, in the Gibson era. Have you noticed a change in the style of play yet?
2: Um, a little bit, yes. There seems to be more sort of focus on, on a sort of flat back four. You know, with a, so when we started the season with sort of taking full backs for an example, with uh, Christie and Fabio, they were bombing on forward and, and Clayton had dropped back into the defence, so we'd have almost a back three with wing backs. At the moment though, one of his one of his first sort of moves was to bring Ryan Shot on in at right back, which is uh, a bit of a left field move to say the least, but it seems to be working quite well and they don't seem to be pushing up as much. Uh the midfielders tend to be relatively tamed as well. Uh there's sort of more, more sort of two defensive central midfielders and Houston has a bit more of a limited role, although he likes to get forward forward a bit too. I don't think the style has changed or not even not noticeably, but you know, he hasn't had being appointed at the time he was sort of over the Christmas period, it wasn't. He didn't have that much time on on the on the training field, so it wasn't too quickly to see uh, any of his ideas come across. But hopefully now he's had maybe two four weeks with the squad on the training pitch, and we might start to see some of his ideas coming through.
0: Now, what do you make of the challenge of Fulham on Saturday? Arguably, the two sides are probably the two biggest underachievers uh, this season. Certainly, Fulham were tipped. Uh, to be well up in the playoff places and you guys were tipped to be in the automatic promotion places if not challenging For the title, I think we all knew that Wolves were going to be strong, but I think we all thought that Middlesbrough would be the main challenge. That hasn't arisen yet. What do you make though of the visit of Fulham? Do you think that it's going to be another win for Middlesbrough? Do you think it's going to be an easy game? Obviously, we're now on a better run of form, a bit like yourselves.
2: Yeah, I mean, Fulham are always always a nice a nice sort of side. Um, You know, everyone sort of thinks highly of them. It's a nice attacking side, so they can be very dangerous. Um, We all remember that that four three goal a few seasons ago. Yes. Uh, but, uh, your place. But I think I think we are relatively sort of hopeful, you know, it's a it's a typical place to go. It's a long long way for your boys to travel. Um so I think we, we are, we're holding out it should should be another positive result I think. But you never know. We're sort of I mean the interesting um battle I think will be Sesanyon versus whoever sort of plays our right back position. Mm-hmm. As, whether it be shotton or Christie. Because on when we when we came to Craven Cottage in September yeah absolutely tortured Christy he had sort of a really terrible game I know he sort of got on the score sheet at the end of it he was kind of papered over his overall performance but he really struggled in that position.
0: What did you make of that one-all draw back at the cottage? I thought that Fulham played pretty well in the game and we kind of grew into it. And, and, and to be honest, I think when we scored with 10 minutes to go, I thought we were going to go on and, and win the game quite easily because you hadn't really had too many chances all game. But a bit of a defensive mix-up and Cyrus got that. Cyrus Christie uh, scored about 60 seconds later and then we were holding on towards the end and actually probably Middlesbrough looked the more likely of the two teams to go on and get the winner. we were holding on in the end.
2: Yeah, I was, I was thinking back about that game today, actually, and it seemed that you were definitely overall the better side of the day, and uh, we were still a bit lucky to kind of to get away with a point. Really, um, it was it was sort of a bit of a turning point before before we started to realise that things might not be going too well under Monk. Really, just because it was after another another of these games where he sort of said, "We, well, you know, when, when we click, you know, we'll be one of the best sides in the league," but it was you know end of September then, and it has already been two months into the season.
0: Yeah, there's um, lots of that kind of false promise, isn't there, from managers at that time? Oh no, we'll click, we're just growing into the season. And, and and sometimes it's true, but more often than not, it, it carries on exactly the same way.
2: Yeah, it's just a, a plea for more time from, from the, for the chairman, I think, really, more than anything.
0: Just finally, James, can I get a prediction for Saturday's game from you?
2: Uh, I think it'll be 2-0 uh, two two win for the borough, I think. You know, it's, it'll be maybe Britt will get a brace if he likes scoring against you
0: guys brilliant well thank you very much James Um, if you know any Middlesbrough fans uh, friends or family make sure they check out the Borough podcast B-O-R-O it's a great podcast well worth a listen James uh, may the best team win on Saturday and hopefully speak soon yeah
2: thank you very much for having
0: me on Sonny no problem thank you Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name's Sammy James, joined by Jack Collins, Farrell Monk, and Don Betts. So I just wanted to have a little bit of a debate here. After the Southampton game, I wanted to see from you guys who in the team could cut it if we got promoted to the Premier League. Now, we've had a few matches in recent years against Premier League opposition. Uh, Last season, we did very well against Middlesbrough, although admittedly it was a very youthful side from Fulham. We absolutely smashed Hull City, but they were at the wrong end of the Premier League. Tottenham obviously came along and did what Tottenham would do to many a side in Europe, let alone Fulham. But Southampton was an interesting match-up because this is a side that... They're struggling in the Premier League. Although they've got a lot of good players and they've got a very good squad that they've built up over the years, this season's been far from sparkling for them. And it was interesting to see how Fulham fared up against it and, and, and ultimately not very well. And, and, and a lot of Fulham fans have been asking the question as to who of this side is Premier League quality? If, let's say, for the rest of the season we went on a great run, we got ourselves to the playoffs and we went up, who feasibly could cut it at the top level.
1: Also, you've surely missed out of a joke here with Sparkling and Pellegrino being their manager. Missed out on one, but no, I think... It's not like me to miss out on a pun. Pellegrini,
4: isn't it, Jack?
1: (laughs) 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 I I think if we're looking at players in the team, who could probably cut it in the Premier League right now. There's only one who I'd say for definite, and that's Tom Kearney. Then you could argue possibly Cessignon, And then you have... But then apart from that, I can't really think of any players who I think yes they could slot into a Premier League
0: team. Ryan Fredericks? Sorry, Ryan Fredericks?
3: No, no, no. See, I, I, I don't disagree as vehemently as you. I do. I, I don't think Ryan Fredericks would sparkle in the Premier League, but I don't think he'd do like any worse a job than like Holubus at uh, Walford. Yeah. Like, I think Scott Ryan, Malone at Huddersfield. Well, Scott Malone isn't playing, but that's fair <laughs> enough. Like, as in Ryan Fredericks is a better defender than Scott Malone. <laughs> And, and better going forward, I'd argue. And, but there's quite, lot, you know, there's quite a lot of players, and I think that's the, the point
4: you're trying to make, is that there are quite a lot of players who have done a fairly decent job in the Championship and have just got the luck and chance to get into the Premier League and get some appearances under them. You
3: look at someone like George Friend, who was potentially quite unlucky not to get his shot really at the Premier League because he got injured last season mm. and it really did hurt him. But like, there are far worse players than Ryan Fredericks that are playing in the Premier League. And and just doing fine, do you know what I mean? They just they're not they're not brilliant, they're not like setting the world on fire,
4: but they're fine. The, and you know, the, the Ryan Fredericks though, he came up against Ryan Bertrand at the weekend. He didn't get a chance to sort of um, flourish at the weekend because he was coming up against a really probably one of Southampton's. Best players, yeah. and probably one of the,
3: you know one of the better also left backs in the country. Also, it wasn't like Southampton's left wing ran riot against him, and it no, was that's true. it was Buffal and Bertrand who are actually both very good players, and there wasn't it wasn't like absolute carnage on the right wing. So you know what? I, I think <laughs> the whole game wasn't carnage. <laughs> what, that's that's what I
0: mean? What about Tim Ream? Now I think he's been one of the revelations for Fulham in the past few years, but particularly this season, he's been very very impressive. Surely he could. Be- do a I'm not sure. I don't,
1: I don't know if he would have enough time on the ball in the Premier League than he does in the Championship.
4: Well, I mean, you looked at the game. Look at the game from Saturday. That he on whenever it went down that side, he kind of he did take it round Shane Long a fair bit. He was doing his turns. He was, you know, doing his usual bits from yeah, the back.
1: Ream, Ream was, is is on is on my list of maybes. Along, I think I had along him alongside like McDonald yeah. and Fredericks. But I think they're maybes. They'd be in the squad in a in Premier League team. But I think the only player who or players who would get in starting 11s in the Premier League are Tom Kearney and Ryan Sessegnon. Mm.
4: The only when we go you go back to Spurs last season when that was obviously a real test for Fulham. The only players that sort of covered themselves in much glory, not that they played badly. Uh, the rest of the team but the what the only few we, when we spoke about it at the time that the only two two or three players that actually sort of stood out as doing quite well was mcdonald tom kearney and sesignal sesignal when he came on in the second half he was the only one that really sort of drove through He's their brilliant.
3: back line yeah i agree I, I a weird i'm gonna make an odd shout for Niskins Cabano, who gonna... i think could probably just be fine it would just do fine in the premier league squad i just i don't think it'd be any better or worse I think he would just be there like doing tricks and occasionally putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, I, I don't think, I think Cabana through. is any worse than Tom Inns. Yeah. Yeah, true. Absolutely.
4: And he's just scored for Huddersfield
3: in the Premier League.
4: Yeah. And then you know it's just down to some managers who will just take a liking to a particular player and yeah. will give them a the chance. And I think that kind of shows through the rest of the Fulham team at the moment that they they are full of the maybes. They are full of the players that could do a job at the Premier League level and that shows how good the squad is that we have at our disposal.
0: But I guess sprinkled with a couple of players that are deafeners, which is quite a nice position to be in, unless you're a Wolves who pretty much, I think, nine out, eight or nine of their squad are Premier League ready.
3: 100%. And now they've just signed Rafa Mir, who's another player of, of very high quality to, to add to the ranks. So, yeah, you know, Wolves Wolves are in a very unique position in this January transfer window where they're signing players... Based on the fact that they know they're going to be playing Premier League yeah. football next season, which puts them in an unbelievably strong position um, in, in terms of negotiations and things. Especially now, they're not constrained by budget because they're like it doesn't matter how much we spend now because it's you know basically yeah. we're going to get the parish we're going to get the payments from the Premier League next season, and they're able to say to players, look, we're about to become a Premier League team. Come and bed yourselves in, make yourself at home. And next year, we're going to go and have a real go at the Premier League. And I think it's a, an exceptionally cool position to be in. And uh, I'm, I'm very jealous of Wolves fans right now who who must be living, one, a dream being on top of the championship, but two, actually looking at their club setting up for Premier League life and being like, yeah, we're bringing in real, genuine, quality talent. Rafa Mir is an exceptionally good player.
4: Yeah, and it's a great position to be in. Not only have they um, capitalised on the fact that they have got an excellent manager now who's brought in some quality, quality footballers. They've also exploited the fact that they don't really have a challenge. All the other teams that we spoke about at the start of the season, like we did with Middlesbrough, you know, we thought that they would um, mount a good challenge too. hasn't hasn't happened. Um, they're only starting now to sort of pick up points. Villa as well. You I know. think
1: if you look at the other teams who are in and around the top two, I think Wolves are the only one who'd be devastated if they aren't in the top two. So if yeah. you take Derby, you take Sheffield United. I know they've gone out the playoffs now, but you take Cardiff, you take Aston Villa, and even and we I mean, look not really Bristol City, but you look at it, they wouldn't be devastated if they just finished in the top six. Whereas Wolves would be.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that I think that shows the difference between them. Minimum requirement: for Wolves this season was second. Yeah, and they've just absolutely stormed it, and you know that's what the quality does, and you know you you can't really argue with it. We they're in unique. I've had this discussion with people on Twitter about Wolves being able to just buy basically players and. They haven't actually spent that much money. It's really weird. They've done it in a very, very clever way. A little bit like how PSG have done things with um, with Monaco Bap. over and Um But in terms of how they've loaned players, not really paid a loan fee, but made a promise to to basically cover wages and and, and that kind of stuff. And it is really sensible recruitment from them. But also, it is a, they're in a very unique position to to negotiate those kind of players, and they've been able to bring in players for less than other teams would have to pay for them because. Uh, George Mendes has basically made them believe in the project. Mm. And, and and because they opened up with such a strength, a show of ambition by bringing in Ruben Neves, they've then been able to convince other players like Yotta, like Mir, like Bonantini to come in and be like, look, this is who we've brought in as our centre midfielder. This club is going places, Get on board, And if you get on board now, you can get yourself sort of basically gelled in. Which was basically the opposite of what Fulham did when they went down, which was...
4: We spent all this money on Ross McCormack, and then buy crap around him. Basically, yeah, precisely,
3: and in. But that's what I mean. Their position is unique in that the, the link between manager, club owner, and agent is obviously far stronger than anything mm. else that you could never, you've seen anywhere else, and and that's really developed them into a particularly sort of unique side as such. Mm.
0: Well, we're going to find out a little bit more now from Mike Greg. You might know him as MJG, and we wanted to get some info on him. With the playoff charge uh, commencing again on Saturday, what Fulham need to do this season in order to achieve the playoffs? Now, I know that sounds obvious, sixth place, but how many points do you think Fulham need? How many um, points per game do we need to be picking up? That's the kind of stuff we wanted to ask Mike.
5: I've got some stats going back about... 16 years, if you like. And the average you need to have is 74 uh, points. And uh, if you tend to get 76 or more, then uh, you're pretty much guaranteed being in the top six. I mean, we got 80 last year. Leeds ended in seventh on 76. And everything, all the stats I do, um, seem to be pointing to that 76, 77 kind of figure that we're going to need so uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll put money on if you get 77 points you're going to be in the playoffs well that seems
0: quite high to me considering the fact that there isn't a second runaway team obviously Wolves are just miles miles ahead but actually mm-hmm. position number two looks like it could like 80 points you could be challenging for position number two
5: Yeah, I know what you're saying there. And, uh, you know, I mean, Wolves are pretty much guaranteed. uh, I would say they're going to be champions, obviously. Um, Yeah, points are being spread across other teams. But the difference is uh, there's more points, if you like, going a bit deep into stats. There's more points in the top half of this uh, league than usual. So, although what you're saying, you think it's going to be low. I actually, I think that's going to condense it more and you'll have more teams around that sort of 74, 79 sort of figure. I mean, personally, I think Derby are going to end up second. um, But uh, no, I'm I'm still confident that you're going to need 76, 77 to be in that sixth place because I just feel that uh, that's the way it's panning out at the moment. What do
3: you think then that it will take to get second? Because, you know, that, that whole kind of condensation of, of teams into a into small area is obviously something that's extremely interesting as someone, you know, chasing the, chasing the, the target. Um, and, and obviously, Fulham are 10 points behind Derby currently. What, do, do, we, do we have a figure, sort of, on average, for what you think it's going to take to, to fill that second spot behind Wolves?
5: Yeah, so usually you need about seven, uh, 87. Over the last five years, it's actually been a lot higher. It's like 89 points. But uh, I, the lowest it's ever been is 79. But I think you're, it's probably going to be about 84, 85 maybe. And uh, because, I, like you say, I mean, everyone's seeing that Wolves, they're, you know, they're going to finish somewhere in the sort of ni- late 90s, even break a 100. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you know. I think it's um, there's no going to be runaway second place either. I think you know there's going to be come the last few games. There may be seven, 17, seven or eight teams aiming for those sort of five places. I suspect, but I think you're going to need 80, yeah. I would say eighty, eighty-six, maybe 80, eighty-five will get you second place, which is which is high. You know, which is it's still high, but um, I just think Derby are going to be the stronger team, though, I'd
0: say. So, let's break this down to Fulham. In mean, 10th place currently, 10 wins, 9 draws, 7 losses on 39 points. Now, there's 20 games left of the season. Uh, you're saying probably anything over the 76 mark is almost guaranteeing the playoffs. Uh, you know, give or take a couple yeah, of yeah. anomalies over the past few years. So, by my maths, that's that's 37 points. So, that's just under... Two points a game. Now that seems like a very high amount of points that Fulham have to achieve.
5: Yeah, I mean if you if you take it as a sort of average position, they would they would be have to be playing like Derby and Cardiff are at the moment, sort of second third place. That's how good we have to be for the rest of the season. So if you if you look back at last year, we are virtually on the same number of points and with twenty one games Left of last season, we ended up getting 41 points. We don't need, I don't believe we're going to need that many this year. So, but we still have to pretty much match last season's run, uh, that great run in the second half. So last year it was 12 wins, five draws and four losses. You know, we could probably afford one more loss, but uh, we still need to pick a lot of wins up. But yeah, we have to be, you know, we do have to be the second or you know third best team for the rest of the season which i think we're capable of we're not quite there yet but um yeah it's it's certainly still possible
3: yeah well obviously there are, there are, there are plenty of permutations i'm going to take it slightly off you know statistical tangent in in some respects probably not completely there are obviously teams in here that have been slipping in form as of late you know most notably cardiff but also bristol city look a bit tired uh, and they haven't quite been matching their early season pace. Uh, are they the two teams you can really see slipping out of the out of the playoffs on playoff spots and, and kind of form at the moment, even though they currently occupy third and fourth?
5: I, I would say looking at the teams above us, yeah, I could see Cardiff. Uh, I think Cardiff will still end up uh, sort of maybe just there in fifth place. I, I think you'll see Sheffield and I do a, a seventh. I think they're going to fall off completely. And uh, I still have a lot of confidence in Leeds blowing it as well. <laughs> <laughs> we we all ho- we will live all hope. in hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I think Fulham and Middlesbrough are the two teams outside the um, the playoff positions at the moment who who could get in. So I'm hoping Leeds are going to drop off. Um, I think Bristol City. You know, I think they had a you know they had a bad result the other week. They their sort of stats. They're pretty steady, but I think they're due a a drop-off as well. So in in some ways, I'm looking for Leeds and and Bristol City to fall out completely. Their squad's quite small. Yeah, and I think they will suffer the second half of the year. And, um, you know, I I also think there might be a couple of their players who get picked up in January, and uh, that will see them struggle a bit as well. But uh, Yeah, I just don't think Bristol City quite have the quality of the other teams when you when you uh, sort of um, look and match them all up.
0: Well, when you say... Um, sorry, bring this back to um, Fulham again, Mike. What yes. do you think the likelihood is of is Fulham? We don't have to quite maybe go on the same level of run as we did last year, but just from, you know, not from a statistical point of view, but just watching the sure. team and how we're playing this season. What, what do you think the chances are that Fulham... Can make lightning strike twice.
5: I would say it's 50-50 at the moment. I think we've a lot depends on January. A lot of us are banking on us trying to strengthen in a couple of positions at least. Um, I, I, I think we need. We're all agreed. We need another centre back to, if you know, to improve it or at least give more competition at the back and another forward, um, because they're just not consistent enough. You know, Kamara's had a couple of good games. Uh, Font is struggling. To, do anything right for anyone at the moment. And uh, so I think a striker and a centre back, and uh, as long as we don't lose anyone who's key to us, uh, at the moment it's 50 50. I'll tell you when it's going to really make a difference, Sammy. So, I mean, we're coming up to, we've got four games coming up, and then there's a really hard run mm. against all, all those teams at the top. And, um, you know, when you look at, we've got Derby Walls, Bristol City Villa, you know, four games in a row there. If we can still be in touching distance or close to sixth place as we play Villa, uh, then those four games will decide what we're going to do. And I
0: guess that was what was so crucial for Fulham last season was our record against the top six. Apart from Brighton, we pretty much got, well, not maximum points, but we got an incredible haul from those other sides in the top six.
5: Yeah, well, that was that was it last year, wasn't it? We were, we were we we blew away some of those teams, and um, it showed that we were good, good enough. And and when some fans say, "Oh, you know, it was lucky last year, and we weren't a good team," I'm sorry. You look at those results against those top teams, and uh, we matched them and better them more than more often than not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Um, we need to improve. You know the games against Burton and and Sunderland. You know they're all points dropped, and so for this second half of the season, we need to uh, we need to be be those teams at the bottom. You need to be getting more than two points on average against those teams at the bottom, and against the top teams, that run of four games. If we can get two wins from that, maybe a draw, then that would be a, a fair uh, result against those teams. But uh, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, there isn't there isn't much room to slip up. That's the thing. We we have to continue with this form that we're on. And how many teams do you think
0: might be challenging for the playoffs come the end of the season? Last year, it was pretty much no one below eighth by the end of the season really had a chance. There was us and Sheffield Wednesday. We thought we we're, were fighting it out for weeks and weeks. I guess no one quite saw the spectacular demise of of Leeds coming in the way that it did but this year it generally looks like there could be any of the teams up to tenth going into the final weeks of the season could could be there or thereabouts. I'd
3: argue even eleventh, sorry, just to what add down to, that. to Brentford. As in Brentford. As in Brentford, we've just leapfrogged Brentford. They were four points off the playoffs last week and now we're four points off the playoffs and, and their fans are very much in, you know, quite agreement that they think they, they've got a decent shot of running at the playoffs as well.
5: I, I agree. I think uh, you know, ourselves and then Brentford and I think that's it. I don't see any of the other teams yeah. having any real chances. I mean I expect, you know, Preston to drop off, and I, I do expect Sheffield United to, to drop off dramatically. Um, so, so then we're going to be looking at the, the the top nine, and if we get to if we're if we're there or thereabouts with four four games to go, um, I think all all those teams will have a ch- those three teams outside the playoffs will have a chance. Um, maybe positions three and four will be tied up, but um, you know, as we, say, as we said earlier and the points are being spread about um, and so yeah I mean it's going to be really really tight but we, so we just need to as long as we can keep within I, I always look at things as you need to be within six points mm-hmm. and, and so if we can keep it at four and slowly chip away get it to three then two then one um, and time it exactly right we timed it exactly right last year yes Leeds collapsed but um, you know we we got 80 points in the end, which uh, is, is more more points than any other team you know has, has got for that for that position. So we will deserved a uh, playoff uh, place last year. And like I say, I don't think we need 80 this year, but. Uh, it would be nice. Yeah, it would be very nice. It would be very comfortable. Yeah, I would mean, t- be in fifth place there. <laughs> I take it if you fit it to me. <laughs> um, Mike,
0: Absolutely. I'm going to make you stick your neck out on the line just uh, before we finish <laughs> off. And you have to give me a position where you think we'll finish, or at least a, a couple of positions where you think we'll be in and amongst. What what position do you think we'll be fighting for in the last couple of games?
5: Uh, it will be sixth place. It will be sixth. So, uh, really? I'd- yeah, I mean, I, I don't see us getting any of those other positions. So, um, but do you not we, think
0: that we, it might just be mid-table, mediocrity and We're, fight, we're just we're just down in tenth with the the Ipswiches and no, Norwiches no, of the no. world.
5: No, I mean, you could come back to me after that run of four games we've got. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I think we no, will. I do, I, I do think we will be challenging. You know, close to the end for that sixth place. So, I, I, you know, we, the team at its best is. Is as good as mate, no one's as good as Wolves this year, but we can beat all the others. So um, I'm I'm going to be very optimistic and say, yeah, you know, that's the point. That's the position I'm going for. That's what I think we can get. And um, with a bit of luck and you know a bit of improvement this month, uh, I'm. I'm confidence the wrong word, but I'm certainly sure we can give it a really good go.
0: Well, apart from Fulhamish, um, Mike is pretty much the ultimate source for uh, Fulham stats <laughs> online, so um, definitely well worth giving him a follow, if you don't already, which I'd be surprised if you don't, but it's um, at um, mjg1966, and he's also a regular on uh, with our friends from Cottage Talk, uh, so make sure you give him a listen over there whenever he's on, or whether he's not on either, doesn't matter. Um, Mike, thank you so much for coming on to Fulhamish today. Really... Really interesting to hear your thoughts on the championship table. And I and I keep my fingers crossed to the end of the season that some of your predictions are going to be bang on.
5: Well, let's hope so. And it's been really good to be on the show, uh, Sammy. And, and, yeah, I always listen to uh, Fulhamish and uh, and Kite's talk. And uh, you are all doing a grand job in, you know, keeping Fulham fans informed and uh, carry on the good work. Thank
0: you very much, Mike. See you later. Cheers. Cheers. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, no problems. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. And that is all we have time for today on Fulhamish Extra. We will be back on Monday uh, with a review of the Middlesbrough game on Saturday. Good luck to you if you're heading up there to Teesside on Saturday. It's a long old trip and I hope you get the three points that you deserve. Uh, So make sure you're joining us. We'll have all the review from that and all the debate, of course, that I'm sure that will be caused from the weekend's action. So to Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. To Farrell, thank you very much. Thank you. And to Don Betts, thank you very much. That's all right. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Laters. Bye.